Wednesday. She got really poorly, got sent blue-lighted into hospital, and you know, have all that concern. We got there, and things started to settle down, so we knew she was going to be okay. But the lady next to her was really, really poorly, and, um, and she'd been told that it was most unlikely she wasn't going to survive. And uh, you can imagine how tragic that must be to know that you're saying goodbye. Anyway, on Thursday morning, she'd made so much improvements that they had to take that back. So she bought cake. And we celebrated and had cake together with the, the idea that she's, she's not dead yet, I think was the name of the party. <laughs> but, um, but isn't God good? You see, Jesus came not to make us good. And we've been looking at all these, these uh, seven deadly sins. He can't, never came to make us good. He came to make us alive. We were dead when it comes to God. But when Jesus came, he came and he made us alive to him. That's what, was he, that's what he was about. Not to make us good but it make us alive. So as we look at these seven deadly sins, I don't want you to get um, all confused that you, I mean, that they, they are deadly, because they're not deadly. They're not deadly to Christians, because we have Christ in us. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing, nothing can separate us from, from the Father. Nothing, including sin. Because he who had no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So as we look at these things, they're not help, help, helpful to us if we're doing them, but they're not deadly, even though it has that title. Are we happy? So in that, I had a clicker. In that, well, let's, uh, let's move on. So, so this week, um, so can you remember what we've done? This just sounds awful. What, what, what have you done in church this week? Well, we've done pride, lust, and envy. Yep. Gluttony. And this week, we're coming on to greed. My little, di- my little dictionary on my phone tells me that greed is excessive desire, especially for wealth or possessions. So, um, that's what we're going to look at this week. Um, I want you to turn to your neighbor, okay, just the people around you, and I wonder if you could ask them a question. And the question is this, how are your eyes, and where is your heart? Okay, just do it, see what response they give you. How is your eyes, where is your heart? I got no hope. <laughs> okay, so anyone get a, an interesting response? Any neighbor go, I don't know, I've been looking for my heart for a while. And Any interesting responses? It's a bit of a weird question, isn't it? How's your eyes? How's, how, how are your eyes doing? Anyone eyes struggling? Yes, we got Liz. So, you ever sat there going, how can I not? 
Vince's eyes are struggling. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Vince. <laughs> Permanently, yes. <laughs> eyes and heart. The reason why I brought them up is there's a passage in the Bible where it talks about eyes and hearts. So let's read together. We're in um, Matthew chapter 6. <laughs> Should have made that a bit bigger. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So the question we're looking at is this one. I've got three questions this morning, but this is the first one. Where is your heart? And these three questions will help you deal with greed. So where is your heart? Well, we found that your heart is where your treasure is. That's what what Jesus is. Imagine if you could be transported from now back until you're 18. For some of us, that's a longer voyage than others, isn't it? In fact, some of us aren't even at 18. We'd have to take you forward, but you would get none of the benefits that we would get. <laughs> you would feel robbed. We would feel really blessed. Because if we could go back to when we were 18, okay, imagine what we could do. Ian, could you imagine going back to your, when you were 18? What would you do? Not that long ago. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> but you, you would you'd go, right, I know where to invest my money. I'm going to go for Apple or, or Microsoft or Google. Um, or or I'm, going to, I'm going to put some money on Leicester winning, you know what I mean, the, 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 the Premier League in the season 15, 16. You know what I mean? No one would expect it. You'd get amazing odds. But you would know the, what was going to happen. Lots of us would invest, but we'd invest in the wrong area, I believe. Oh, we could all become rich, but being rich isn't what it's about. How often we get muddled up about people who are rich. <laughs> my, my dad was a policeman, quite a well-to-do man at some point in his life. Not so well-to-do now, but back then um, people would look at him with respect and the church where we went, they struggled to get church leaders. So the minister came up with a genius idea. And the idea was this. If you don't want to be a church leader, you must take your name off the list. Isn't that a good idea? Because how many people do you think would forget? Lots, including my dad. My dad went on a rugby tour to France. So when he came back, he discovered he was a deacon. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to be a deacon. I went, 
We all voted for you. (laughs) And people picked him, not because of what he could bring spiritually, but because he was a well-to-do person in community. Sometimes our values don't really match up. Jesus says, if you want to invest, invest in God. Invest in God. Invest in the kingdom of God. That's where you should invest. Put your money where it can't be stolen or decay or be eaten by vermin. I like that word, vermin. Um, Put your money where you can use it. Jesus told a story told lots of stories, but he told one of a, of a farmer. This farmer was so successful that when he went to harvest his crop, he couldn't fit it in the barn. And, and so he thought, I mean, he could have basically sold everything up and taken life easy. But when he thought, he thought, no, 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 I know what I'll do. Rather than take it easy, I'll build a bigger barn. And that's what he did. He built a bigger barn and he, he took the harvest in the following year and it was so big. He couldn't get it in the barn. So you know what he thought he'd do? Not sell it all up and take life easy. No, he thought, I'll buy, build an even bigger barn. And that's what he did. And then the following year, when he had so much and still couldn't get it in the, the bigger barn that he built, you know what he decided to do? Build an even bigger, bigger barn. And it was so big that when he filled it, it said he just sat back and thought, whoa. I'm going to retire and take life easy. But Jesus said that very night he died. And all that was put in that barn just rotted away. We get given stuff by God so we can use for his kingdom. And if we don't use it for his kingdom, it just disappears. Where is your heart? Where is your treasure? You know, greed is short-sighted. It's all about the me and the now. I, did, I was invited to, to go to a camp to speak uh, to, to all the children. We're in Lynchfield, which is miles away. And it was by this lake. And they had planned all these activities in the afternoon, like climbing and zip wire and everything. But in the afternoon, there was a big storm came in. And so it meant we couldn't go outside. And so because we were running the kids' team, uh, they said, oh, could you do some activities for us as family? And so she left it with me and my team to come up with an idea. And we came up with what we call the challenge game. It was genius. I printed my own money. (laughs) Always wanted to print my own money. We had ones and fives, and we printed so much, and then we shared it with everyone. Everyone got some money. And then the challenge game was... Um, we had 18 of them, that we would pick three people from, 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 the, uh, from the crowd that would do a challenge. And then what everyone else had to do with their money that I'd printed was to bet on who they thought would win. Good Christian camp, good morals and all that. 
And so that's what we did. And so, so we got like, um, we got three teenagers and we gave them a can of Coke and said, Who, which one is going to finish the Coke first? And then people went off and they put the money on. And if they won, they doubled the money. But if they lost, we kept it. That was the sort of point. So we had all my team sort of collecting the money. And then we'd say, go. And the first one would win. And everyone would cheer and clap. Well, we did this all after we had a different way. An arrow's one. How many pegs can you get on a face? That was a pretty good one. How many skips could you do in 30 seconds? We had three ladies up for that one. That was quite amusing. And we had loads of these, 18 of them all together. But every time, people would put money on who they thought were going to win. And eventually, people ran out of money. And eventually, we got down to three people left. And when we did the last game, everyone bet on someone different. And they put everything they had on it. And eventually, we got down to one. Someone won all the money. And oh, did he feel so smug. And he brought all his money and we clapped and we cheered and we said, well done. But at the end, when the game had finished, you know what all that counted for? Nothing. Because you couldn't spend that money as much as you'd want, the, the, the Steve bills that I put out. You could try taking them to the shops, but you would get nothing. They were worth nothing. It was just a game. And life can be like that. You know, because at the end of our life, we take nothing with us. When we go to heaven, we take nothing with us. You can't pack a suitcase and take it with you. You go as you are. There was a man who was extremely rich. And he knew that his life was coming to an end. So he started to pray earnestly. And he prayed to God saying, God, please, can, can, I take, can I take some of my wealth with me? And God said, no. And he sent an angel to go and speak to him and says, look, you can't take any money with you. It's not how it works. And he begged and he begged. And, and eventually the angel went and spoke to God. And he says, he so, he so wants to bring something with him. And so... God said, well, let me, let me have a word. And so God spoke to him, and this man just pleaded and pleaded. And eventually God said, okay, if you want to bring a suitcase, for the first time ever, we'll allow you to bring a suitcase. Well, this man was delighted, and so he got ready for, for, uh, for what was coming. And he said he swapped all his money into gold because he could only take one suitcase. And he filled that suitcase with bars of gold. And then on the day he died, he arrived in heaven with that suitcase. And he got to the gates and Peter stopped him and said, you can't come in here with that. <laughs> and he went, no, 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 I've spoken, to, I've spoken to God. You said I can do. So Peter had to get on the phone and phone up God and say, guy here with a suitcase. He said, oh yeah, I gave him permission. He could bring the suitcase in. He said, okay, I'll check it just to make sure. And he checked the suitcase and he's going through it, all these bars of gold. And he turns to this man and he goes, why are you bringing in pavement? We can't take anything with us. Everything we have here, if we want to invest in God, if we want to invest in God, we do that by storing up what the Bible says, treasure in heaven. Greed is short-sighted. It's all about me and the now. You know, money can buy medicine, but it can't buy health. It can buy a house, but it can't buy a home. It can buy companionship, but not friendship. 
It can buy food but not appetite. It can buy a bed but not, it cannot buy sleep. It can buy a crucifix but it can't buy a saviour. It can buy a good life but it cannot buy eternal life. Where's your heart? Is it here in the now? And the second question I want to ask is this one, which is a weird one in this passage. How is your eyes? It's a strange thing, isn't it? That, that sort of passage. So let me just read it to you. It says, The eye is a lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, then your whole body will be full of darkness. Then if the light within you is darkness, then how great is that darkness? So, how is the eyes? What's, what's eyes got to do with this? And if you want to know the answer, you've got to go a little bit on in the chapters. And when you get to chapter 20, it makes it all clear. In chapter 20, it talks about eyes. You're all skipping ahead. You're going to enjoy this bit. Okay. Chapter 20 is a, is a parable that Jesus tells about the workers in the vineyard. Now, the, Jesus says there's a man. And he needs some help. So he goes to the marketplace where you hire people to come and help. And, and, and the, the day would go from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And, and for that, you would get paid one denarii. That's, that's the pay. That's the standard pay, always a pay. You get paid one denarii. It's a good wage uh, if you work the 12 hours, 6 to 6. So this man this who, who needed help in his vineyard went and picked up some guys. He said, come work for me. And I'll pay you. And imagine they must have been delighted when they got in, got in and everyone else is left behind. Thinking, oh, we'll get a day's wage. Well, when they get to the vineyard, the, the man who owns the vineyard realizes he ain't going to get the work done. So at nine o'clock, he goes back and he hires some more men and brings them back. But then at 12 o'clock, he realizes he still hasn't done enough. So he goes back at 12 o'clock and he hires some more men. And he does the same at 3 o'clock. And then eventually, in the last hour at 5 o'clock, he goes back and hires even more men. And then at 6 o'clock, it comes to the pay. And they all queue up. And you can you imagine the shock that the guys at 5 o'clock got paid one denarii. And you can imagine the guys at 6 a.m. going, how much are we going to get paid? But he didn't do that. The man in the vineyard paid everyone the same. He paid them all one denarii each. And so the guys who'd been there from six started to mumble and grumble. And this is what the Bible says was the response. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Makes sense, doesn't it? Are you envious because I am generous? Do you know what the, the real version says? Because this is a paraphrase. This isn't anything close to what the Bible says. This is what the real one says. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or is your eye bad because I am good? And so this, this, this connection between eyes and generosity is linked. This connection between what you, what you do with your eyes, how you see things, matters.
an eye that cannot see the beauty of grace, an eye that cannot see the brightness of generosity, the eye that cannot see the unexpected blessing to others as precious treasure, an eye that is blind to what is truly beautiful and bright and precious and godlike. Is it a worldly eye that sees money and material reward as more to be desired than a beautiful display of free, gracious, godlike generosity? How do you see the world? Do you see it all about how much you can collect? Or do you see it in a different way? There was a, a nun. One day she got sent some money from her church back home. And she was there in her room joking. And all this money fell out her envelope. And she thought, wow. And then she realized she didn't really need money. And so as she was praying what she should do with it, she was praying at her window. And she saw a man who looked miserable walking up the road. Looked like he was in despair. And so she got an envelope out. And she put on the envelope, don't despair. And she filled it up. She sealed it. And when the man came close to her window, she threw it out, and the man caught it, read the envelope, opened up, saw the money, and waved, and off he went. Well, the next day, to her surprise, that man was back at her window, shouting up to her. She said, what do you want? He said, I've got it. And there in his hand was loads and loads of money. And she said, what's that? She said, I got your message. She said, he said, I put the money on the horse, don't despair. (laughs) It came in 50 to 1. How is your eyes? Do you see? Do you have gracious eyes? Do you see how where you can help? Where is your heart? Is it about the kingdom of heaven? And the last question is this question. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? In the next verses on, it says this. uh, Look at the birds and look at the flowers. Do I not provide for them? Will I not provide for you? It's like he was saying, trust me. Trust me. Do you trust God? And that's what everything comes down to. I mean, if you want to beat any of these seven deadly sins, it's all about trusting God. Do you trust him? Or do you rely on your own stuff, on your own ways, and your own help? Do not worry, but seek first the kingdom of God. Of God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Is that true? Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Is it true? Do you believe that? Have you got a wallet in your pocket? The earth is the Lord's and everything in that. What about your purse? What about your bank account? What about your car, your house, your home? What about your, your luxury yacht? 
your villa in Switzerland. What about everything we have, from the shoes on our feet to the coat on our back, has been given by him. J. John tells a story of, um, of a man who goes to an airport, and it's you know, a busy airport, but he, he goes up to, because he's got a couple of hours to kill before the plane, he goes up to the, the counter and he buys himself a coffee and a small packet of mini donuts, you know the little round ones? And he goes back to his table, and, he, and, and well, he's going back to the table, there is no tables, they're all full. And he's like, what am I going to do? And he's looking around and he spots one man by himself on a bigger table, and he thought... I'll sit by him. So he goes over and he, and he, he smiles and he sits down and he puts his, his, uh, his, takes his coat and his bags off and he puts them to the side and he puts his coffee down and he smiles and waves at this guy. And then he takes a sip of coffee and he reaches over and he grabs the bag of donuts. So he rips it open and he takes one. Oh, that's good. With a sip of coffee. And he puts him back on the table. Well, the guy opposite sees what he's doing, stretches over, grabs the donuts, pulls them towards him, opens the bag, puts his hand in, takes a donut out, and eats it. He's horrified. He's looking good. What's he doing? But he thought, I ain't going to say anything, because this guy could be a little bit crazy. You know what I mean? I don't know method. But he's looking. So he decides to just give him the look. You know that look? Anyway, he continues, has more coffee, and sits, he's reading his paper, and anyway, he looks at me and thinks, oh yeah, so he goes over and he grabs his donuts, and he takes one, and he brings them really close, as he would, puts something, gives the guy the look, puts his coffee down, picks his paper up, and as soon as he picks his paper up, this guy leans over, grabs the donuts, drags them across to him, opens up the thing, and eats another one puts it down in the middle. He's like, but he ain't going to do anything about it. Anyway, this guy, opposite, the donut thief, he stands up, puts his coat on, gets his bags, and just before he leaves, goes over, opens up the donuts, breaks the donut in half, gives half to him, eats half himself, waves, and off he goes. He's looking horrified, going, if I'm going to eat that, I don't know where he's been. He could be infectious. And, and he's eaten half my donut. He's like furious. Anyway, it's time for him to go. So he gets up, puts his coat on, and grabs his stuff. And he bends down to pick his bags up. And there, on top of his bags, was his donuts. <laughs> his donuts. When he thought this guy was stealing from him, He was sharing with him. God owns all the donuts. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He owns all the donuts. And he wants us to learn to be gracious and to share and to be kind, and to beat this thing called greed. If we want to be people
people who take action, then we've got to learn that what we have, we can share for the kingdom of God. And there's lots of ways you can do that. Jesus told a, a rich young man who came to him to be his follower, he says, you want to follow me? Sell your stuff and give it to the poor. Basically, we've got to learn to give, to give those who don't have, to learn to be generous. You know, Channel 4 did a study once to see how rich we were. And this was a long time ago when I didn't live here. I lived somewhere else. And back then, I would have classed myself as poor. And you know what I discovered in this Channel 4 document? When we looked at the world as a whole, I was in the top 6% of the richest people in the world. But in this country, I would have classed myself as poor. You are very well blessed. If you want to beat greed, that idea of keeping everything to yourself, the only way to do it is to learn to give it away. But the question comes back to this. Who do you trust? Do you trust in your God or do you trust in what you have? How is your eyes? Do you have generous eyes or greedy eyes? I think the, the Hebrews would call it stingy eyes. I like that word. It sounds Scottish. Stingy. <laughs> Do you have stingy eyes or good eyes? And where is your heart? It's with your treasure. But what is your treasure? Is it what you can gather? Or is it our Father in heaven? Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for every good gift that you've given us. But I pray that you make us people who will chase after you. I thank you that you love us and may we live others in your name. Make us generous. May we share what we have. May we love those who aren't loved by many. May we share with those who don't have much. Give us good eyes, Father, I pray. And a heart that follows you. And may you be our treasure. For we ask this in your name. Amen.